Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm excited to uh, discuss some, at least for me, some, some new ideas for Hanukkah. And I just want to introduce the, the whole subject because really Hanukkah on, on the deepest level is, is really talking about combating the impossible. And we see it in, in so many places in terms of the story itself, the deeper message, um, and, and, and what our role in the, in, in, just in a practical way is in terms of how we're to deal with this opportunity to again deal with the impossible, to combat the impossible. And um, it's, it's just, it's such a central holiday. And, and I think that it's very easy to sort of confuse the, the absolute centrality of Hanukkah and how, how essential it is. And so let me just, uh, just introduce Hanukkah in this way. Um, you know, you've got, you've got the story itself, right? How the story in, unfolds, right? But a story unfolds in, in a world with people, right? But where did the people come from and where did the world come from? Where did reality itself come from? So in other words, there, there are ways to address very sort of like urgent, urgent parts of the story. We're slaves in Egypt. We got to get out of Egypt. This is very urgent, right? But then how is there even a world for there to be in Egypt? How is there even an us for there to be an us to be trapped in Egypt in a world where did the world come from? Do you understand if we go far enough back, then we get to the most elemental aspects of, of the entire enterprise of what it means just to be alive, to exist. So if you want to look at it from a, a, a scientific slash spiritual level, right? Basically, everything is formed out of light. This is, this is affirmed in physics and it's also affirmed in, 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 in Torah. So in, in, in physics, when, when Einstein talks about E equals MC squared, he's talking about energy being converted into matter. So we talk about light. Hashem takes an aspect of his light and that he forms that into the, the universe itself, the material world itself. So Hanukkah is the holiday of light. So in other words, when we're talking about Hanukkah, we're not just talking about a historical event. We're talking about how God shapes and guides reality itself from the most elemental level. Do you understand? Interestingly, if you want to see a, a very cool correlation, you know, the Hanukkah, Hanukkah is the, the last two letters of Hanukkah are... Chaf and He, which add up to 25. And in fact, Hanukkah is on the 25th of Kislev. If you count from the beginning of the Torah, starting with the word Breshis being one, if you count the 25th word in the Torah, it's the word Or, light. And in fact, it's not just the word Or, it's the very first use of the word Or in the entire Torah is on the 25th. So there's this this opening right now for light to come through. Now, how is it happening? Because it's not just that 
you know, what's, what's, what's interesting about the arrival of light under these circumstances is that you're not climbing the highest mountain. I'm climbing the highest mountain, and then I get there to the top of the mountain right as the sun is rising. Right? There's like this climactic thing where you've achieved something, and then there's the light. It, it's, it's the opposite, which is so fascinating, which is that we're digging down into the lowest, 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 lowest pit, and then all of a sudden, the brightest light is shining. This is surprising. This is surprising because what the message is, is that everything is light. It's all light. Darkness exists. But darkness is a creation that happened after light. It's a subset of light, if you will. You see, it, there's a point that it's like one of the main points that I hope in my lifetime I'll be able to convey is that most people think the baseline of existence is darkness and then God said, Vayahi or, let there be light and then there was light. But really it all starts with darkness and then God says, let there be light. That's not the Torah opinion at all. At all. Because before the world existed, there was God. And one of the names of God is Orain Sof, light without end. So before the world was ever created, all there was was light. The beginning point of everything is light. And then God creates darkness in order to dispel the darkness so that we have more light. Now, I want to make another general point about this before we start getting deeper into it in terms of the sources. Because how is this done? How do we combat the impossible? How do we uproot, upend the impossible? And it's all done through the agency of dreams. Which is like this is an amazing this is an amazing idea. And and it sounds like something poetic or something that you'd kind of like make up in a story, right? And yet this was the reality of the historical event of how it happened. So let's just, let me just explain myself a little bit better. You had Egyptian society, and Egyptian society didn't mix with Jews, right? <laughs> they, they were like, that was not... That was not, it was not like a, a free, open-ended society like in America today, for instance. You had the Egyptians and not the Jews, okay? Now you also have, just think of socioeconomically, you have the realm of the palace, right? So the Egyptians are in the palace, and not even all the Egyptians are in the palace. Very few of the Egyptians are in the palace. That's the top, top, most echelon of society. You have the palace with the Egyptians. Now go all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. You have the dungeons, the prisons, and that's where, that's where Yosef is. That's where Joseph is. Right? And we're always reading Parshas Miketz. We're always reading about Joseph at this time during Hanukkah. Always. Okay? So how is the Jew in the dungeon, Yosef, going to get to the palace with the Egyptians. It's never going to happen. 
That's the answer. The answer is it's never going to happen. It's impossible. And yet, and again, I'm not talking, I'm not talking poetry right now. I'm talking historical events. How does Joseph go from the lowest place, the dungeon in Egypt, to the top of the palace? Through the agency of dreams. Through dreams. Through the interpretation of dreams. Through people dreaming. So this, he winds his way, climbs his way all the way up to the top through dreams. So the antidote to the impossible is dreams and light. This is Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah. So, you know, if you've been coming to the, listening to the last few classes, and I recommend really listening to the one this year from 2017 on Yaakov and the Ladder, and also the wrestling match with Esav, because both of those two talks really, I, I, I learned sources where I was really able to juxtapose the story against the ten sphero and to show how the, the, the scope of these stories, for instance, this, the, 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 the Yabok River, the Yabok River that Yaakov crosses on his way to get the small, the small jugs, the small little jars, the Pachim Katanim, right? Hopefully we'll have a chance to go into more depth and show the Hanukkah connection to that, I hope. But anyway, he goes over this Yabok River and, and now he's all alone. Right? All the angels from outside of Israel have already risen up because he's already crossed into Israel. And now he crosses back and it's, he's all alone. And then he has this existential wrestling match, either with evil itself or with the evil within himself, depending on how you want to learn it. But I saw from the Jikover Rebbe that Yabok is Gematria 112, which is basically the Ten Sphirot. Because the ten sphero can be divided up into three parts, right? You have the upper three and the lower seven. And then the lower seven are divided up into the top six and the bottom one. And we're here in the bottom one. This is called Malchus. That's the realm. Or Olamasiya, the, the, the world of action. That's why Jews put so much emphasis on mitzvot. Because this is a world of doing. It's not a world of talking or thinking. Those are also important things. But it's a world of doing. You have to do something. That's why we're so action-oriented. That's why the mitzvot are so important. So, so, the, so each of these realms, each of these stratas of the ten sphirot, the top three, the middle six, and the bottom one, each has a divine name that correlates with it. So on the bottom, it's what we call adnus. It's pronounced adonai. But it's Aleph, Dalad, Nun, and Yud. Then you have, that's 65. Then you have the middle realm. That's Yud, K, Vav, K. That's 26. And for the top three, that's Ekiah. That's 21. That adds up to 112. That's Yabok. So when this wrestling match, that's the name of the river that Yaakov crosses over. When this wrestling match takes place, the Medrash says that the dust from the wrestling match went all the way up to the throne of glory. In other words, all the way up to the top of heaven. Because you see that the Yabok River is 112. It's, it's hinting at the fact that these, 
wrestling match, the scope of it was totally cosmic. It was totally cosmic. <coughs> From the bottom all the way to the top. So why, why am I mentioning this? And also the ladder with Yaakov too. Again, the, the key thing is that, that Yaakov, what, what is Yaakov doing when he sees that ladder, by the way? He's dreaming. He's dreaming. Again, the, the, the entrance the entrance through the impossible. So, so that ladder is also going from the top of heaven all the way to the bottom. So I'm, 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 I'm reminding you, I'm bringing these things up because I want to get back to Hanukkah and to the light of Hanukkah. And we understand something. This is from the Nativa Shalom, the Slonim Rebbe, all of a Shalom. This is a very great, very big thought. You see, if I ask you how many mitzvahs there are, most people will say, well, 613. Most people know this. However, there are seven mitzvahs de Rabbanin that were added on for all the generations. And if you add on those seven, that, that adds up to 620. Okay? So I see, uh, it's always like a tightrope walk if I can name those seven. On a good day I can. I'll try. I'll try. So you have blessings, like blessings that we say before food. Then you have candle lighting, Friday night. Then you have washing your hands before bread. Then you have the Eruv. Then you have saying Hallel on Rosh Chodesh and holidays. And then you have Purim. And then you have Hanukkah. Those are the seven. So so, interesting, historically, the last one that was added of the 620 is Hanukkah. That's the last of the mitzvahs, of our complete set of mitzvahs, that was added. Now, let me tell you why this is so significant. So, of all the mitzvahs, the last one, the end result, is Hanukkah. Right? Because it all boils back down to the light, bringing down light to the darkest places, right? That's 620. But do you know what else is Gematria 620? Keter. Keter, again, is the highest sphere. It's the highest realm of all the heavens. So do you, do you see this amazing, amazing exact correlation between 620, the 620th mitzvah is Hanukkah, and 620 is the top of heaven. <laughs> Keter. So... So where is the light of Hanukkah coming from? Keter. From the highest reaches of heaven. It's a phenomenal thing. It's a phenomenal idea. It's showing us that in another beautiful way, something that we've said again, but this is again one of these crucial fundamental thoughts that everyone has to know which is that God exists in this realm, in this dimension that we're in, as much as the highest reaches of heaven, it's just he's much more concealed. There's much more darkness in this realm. But he's no less present. And Hanukkah is like really the capital of this idea. Hanukkah is facing this head on. Because... Because again, Hanukkah is this idea of uprooting the impossible. So 
Let's get into this idea of uprooting the impossible in a more circumstantial way. What were the circumstances of, of the Hanukkah story? Well, you have two instances of the impossible, basically. Two main instances. One is the military campaign that was conducted. Now, you have to remember, because, you know, today we have such advanced military, bless you, we have such advanced military hardware today. And, like, for instance, the tanks that we have today are, like, they're, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing, you know? But the, the super tanks of yesteryear were elephants. And the Assyrian army had these elephants. So when they were charging with elephants, they were just, like, just wiping out villages, wiping out cities. Was, there was no... How do you stop stampeding elephants, right? So, so, and we were small in numbers. So the, the, the level of the military victory was, was one instance of impossible that we were up against. Another, perhaps, in its own way, more fundamental instance of impossible is a jar of oil, which is meant for one night, can't last for eight nights. Impossible. It, it can't happen. So you see that Hanukkah is addressing the impossible on two different levels, at least, right? But you want to hear something very interesting? Something amazing. So this comes from the Mara. You, do you know, just as just to prepare you for this thought, do you know that Hanukkah, here's the answer to like a Jewish trivia question. Hanukkah is the only Jewish holiday that happens over two months. Every, every other holiday is just situated in its own month. Hanukkah every year goes from Kislev and then jumps this border, which in itself is like amazing that it kind of jumps this border of another month. Like how... That in itself is like impossible, right? It jumps this border into Tevis. Now, the Maharal, this is the Maharal, says Tevis is, is related to the word, word Teva. Teva means nature. Because what Hanukkah is coming to do is to show you that nature doesn't exist. <laughs> Do you understand that when God wants to do anything, God can do anything at any time. And this is now on a more personal level, on a more personal level. I think the type of tshuva, the type of, a, the type of inner work and, 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 and deeper connecting and deeper fixing of our own souls and our own relationship with God, and our own lives, that we can do. Which is this idea of, do we believe that God can do anything at any time? Do we believe it, or do we just say it, or do we hear it, and we go, yeah, maybe, could be, sounds good. Or is it something that we actually believe? So, interestingly, it says that the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah, the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah extends all the way to Hanukkah. 
to the eighth night of Hanukkah. And this is kind of surprising. This is kind of surprising because, you know, first you hear that, okay, what's Rosh Hashanah? Yom Adin. Okay, so it happens on Rosh Hashanah, and that's what it is. And then you find out, wait, 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 you have to Yom Kippur. And then you go, okay, it's written on Rosh Hashanah, it's sealed on Yom Kippur, everything's good. Wait, 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 you have to Hoshana Rabbah. Wait, what's the whole thing with Hoshana? Well, it's written on Rosh Hashanah, it's sealed on Yom Kippur, but it's delivered on Hoshana Rabbah. Okay. But then what's this Hanukkah? idea. Like, what, what's left to be done? <laughs> like, what's left to be done? Well, it's, 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 it, it syncs very much with this idea of the impossible, right? But the idea is, I think, this is just me talking right now, the idea is, you see, every time all of us enter into Hanukkah, we re-enter that initial flow of the energy of the day itself, the initial day itself. Remember, I don't know if you all know this, but this is a very important thing to know about Hanukkah. After the war was won, and then there was the light of the, the, the extended light, or according to some people, the war was still going on for 22 years, by the way. Very different view of the story of Hanukkah, that it wasn't instantaneous. You know, we like instantaneous miracles, like the sea split, and then we crossed, and then it closed on our enemies, and then moving on. There are miracles that are a little more messy, if you will. So according to one opinion, Hanukkah is one of those, one of those opinions, because the war didn't just stop, right? It went on for a while. So however you order the events of Hanukkah, however you're, 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 you're to understand it, the point is, So, so after the miracle of the light, you would think that that's when they instituted the holiday of Hanukkah. They said, hey, there was a great miracle here. We have to remember this for all time. This is very special. This is going to give Jews strength till Mashiach comes. The very, very important holiday. Well, okay, from now on, the 25th of Kislev is Hanukkah. That's not how it happened. It's not how it happened. It's much more amazing how it happened. The miracle happened, and then the next year, on the 25th of Hanukkah, you ready for the 25th of Chislev, you ready for this? The Kahanim are in the base of Migdash, and one says to the other, do you feel that? Mm-hmm. And the other goes, yeah, do you, do you feel it? Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, come over here, do you feel that? Yeah, I feel, do, does, does, does everyone feel that? Everyone feels it? The light of the miracle has returned. And then they said, if it returned from when the miracle itself happened back again to this year, that means that there was an opening where this energy is flowing for all time throughout history at this time. And so we're instituting the holiday as of now forever. You hear that? Very, very interesting. It's very, very interesting. So... That means that right now all of us have re-entered into that divine flow. Right? 
which means all of us are dealing with the energy right now of what does it mean to come face to face with the impossible in our own lives. And now we get to this idea of the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah. You see, because you can do a type of tshuva, you can do a type of fixing, but the deepest type of fixing that you do is when you're in the same circumstance as you were when you made the mistake, and this time you don't make the mistake. They say, like, according to the Rambam, that's the highest level, that's the fifth level of tshuva, that's called tshuva shlema, complete tshuva, where... Like the example that he gives is if someone, say, fell with a particular woman under these circumstances and then he's back in those circumstances and doesn't fall, that, that, would, be, that would be the thing. That would be tshuva shlema because you're now back in that same circumstance. So right now, spiritually speaking, we are back into the light of the impossible, confronting the impossible. And now the question is, do we believe do we believe that God really can do anything? <laughs> Willie, that's up to God. But it's up to us to understand that He can do anything at any time. So now, on Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, what do we do? We crown God king. We crown God king. Do you know what the word for crown is in Hebrew? Keter. And what did we just say? What happens on Rosh Hashanah? That the light of Keter comes down to this world. Because when you can say that God can absolutely do absolutely anything, then you absolutely finish making him king. Because you've taken his light, you've taken his crown, and you've brought it to the darkest place, and you say there is no Rome without him. See, because is your, is your crowning of God king on Rosh Hashanah complete if in the back of your mind saying, yeah, God, you can do everything except the impossible. <laughs> Just, uh, or we won't think about that. that yeah, yeah. But now we get to say, even the impossible. <laughs> even the impossible. God, you can do even the impossible. Okay. So, how is it done? How, how, what, how do we know that God can do the impossible? Well, we, we know. We know. Just How is there a world? Right? How is there in us? How is there still in us? Right? I mean, I'm sure all of us can think about our own lives where we should have died half a dozen times. Right? How could it be that I'm even still here? So, believe it or not, Believe it or not, this Parsha, Miketz, which is always Hanukkah, whenever we read it, you want to hear something cool? Because I was really like thinking a lot about how it's Rosh Hashanah, like you're bringing down the light of Rosh Hashanah, you're finishing the tshuva of Rosh Hashanah, and then I'm reading Parsha's Miketz, and it says, and then Pharaoh has the dream, and then he hears Yosef can interpret the dream, and this is all in Parsha's Miketz for Hanukkah. And he pulls him out of prison. Do you know what our rabbis teach? That Moshe, that, that Yosef left prison on Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> so, so this whole Parsha, 
is all the whole completion of the rise of Yosef. It's all happening on Hanukkah, on Rosh Hashanah simultaneously. The light of above, the highest light of above coming down to below. And then you want to hear something just to extend the thought. Because it says that, like in the beginning of the Parsha, he has the dream and he calls Yosef out of prison. That's, that's the beginning of Parsha's Miketz. That's Rosh Hashanah. It says that that happened the, 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 the last week's Parsha. It says it happened exactly two years after last week's Parsha. So let's do the math. If this week's is Rosh Hashanah, exactly two years ago is what? It's also Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> That's the light of Keter coming down. And because all of these events, all of these events that we're reading about are also impossible. We talked about the elephants. We talked about the light. We talked about the light lasting eight days. Let me ask you this. Is there any chance in the world that the Egyptian taskmaster who's trying to destroy the entire Jewish people is actually Yosef who's trying to save the entire world at that moment? Is there any possibility at all that that's Yosef? Zero percent. And yet, it's Yosef. <laughs> what? What? It's what? And what about the, uh, the one, the only one, Hashem himself, who's guiding all the events of the world? We say, but... God can't be be behind that. Oh, he's behind that also. But he can't be behind that. Oh, he's behind. So, so this Parsha begins in an amazing way. It it begins with the word miketz, which means at the end. Ketz means the end. In fact, we have an expression called, you know, Ketz HaMashiach, like the, the end of days, basically. Ketz HaYamin, the end of days. So this whole idea of Ketz, or of the light being restored to the darkest places, this is all thematically tied, because we're, we're not just talking about our own personal lives and, and what's going on in the Parsha. We're talking about the whole history and destiny of the world itself, that it's going to reach an end. So the Medrash Rabbah says, brings a, 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 a passage from Eo, from the book of Job, that says that there's going to be an end of darkness. And, and they say that just like there was an end to Yosef's suffering, there's going to be an end to all darkness in the world. All, all darkness is going to end. So isn't that interesting that we're always reading Miketz on Hanukkah? That the end of darkness is correlates with the holiday of light. And remember, you know, one of my favorite stories in the whole Talmud is, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing it, is there's a people in a ship and they see an island and then they go and they say, okay, let's disembark. We're going to have a picnic on this island. So they get off the ship. They get in their kind of their rowboats. They go to this island. 
They sit on the island. They light a fire because they're going to roast some meat, right? They're going to make uh, some food. And then all of a sudden, the island turns over into the sea. Because it wasn't an island. It was like a, a whale, basically. And just part of it's the whale was out of the water. But it looked like an island. I really like that a lot. Because to me, it's the story of choosing the wrong foundation. (laughs) It's very easy in life to choose the wrong foundation. And then you choose the wrong foundation, and then all of a sudden, it turns upside down. And you thought that it was an island. And what happened? It wasn't. You see, people think the world starts with darkness and then God is going to light up, light up the darkness. But the foundation for the world is light. The world starts with light. That, that has to be how we look at the world. Because if we look at the world that it's just a dark place, then we're making the wrong thing our foundation in life. The Piyasesna Rebbe, the, the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto, learns out the same lesson in, in, of, of Miketz from, from a different place here. You see, um, Yaakov Avinu, very sort of like just against his will because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to let go of Benjamin Benjamin because he's already lost Yosef now he's going to potentially lose the second son of his most beloved li- wife R- Rachel but but he has no choice they they have Shimon being held hostage and they they need this food and the circumstances are heating up it's getting ugly by the way, you should know that this Parsha ends in the worst way of all the Parshas in the Torah. Miketz. It ends with darkness, with the sense of it's impossible, how are we going to get out of this? The worst thing that could happen is that they take Benjamin, Benjamin, prisoner also, which you don't think is going to happen, and then that very thing happens. And this is going to be the end. Yaakov, is, Yaakov says, if they take him from me, I'm going to die. This is going to be the end. So And then the Parsha ends. Because again, we're in Hanukkah, we're confronting the impossible. And you think, how could this ever have a happy ending? And then there's a happy ending. You can't believe it. So, as they're going off with Binyamin, he, Yaakov says, and may El Shaddai, which is a divine name, and it's interesting because you don't see it so much in the, in the Chumash. May El Shaddai grant you mercy before the man, meaning Yosef, that he may, re- re- that he may um, release to you your other brother as well as Benjamin. So, so the Piyasesna Rebbe, the, the Rimenover Rebbe, everybody wants to know, why, why are we using this particular name of El Shaddai here? Or I'll say Kel Shakat. Why, why are we saying that name here? So in terms of Torah cosmology, and you'll see that this will sound exactly like the Big Bang. 
and we were way ahead of this thought. It says that the rabbis teach that God took one very tiny, tiny particle of matter at the beginning of the world and that he expanded it out until the whole physical universe was made. And while it was expanding, and by the way, that point of matter was from the foundation stone of the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, which tells you that on a DNA level, the whole world is made out of the Beis Hamikdash, right? You know, the Kahanim, when they wash their hands, they wash their hands before they do a voda, before they do work in the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple. When we wake up in our, after we wake up in our homes, we're supposed to wash our hands. Why? Because the whole world is the base of Migdash. So the world is expanding outward and outward until Hashem says this name, Shaddai. Shindalid Yud, which is the name on mezuzahs, by the way. Interestingly, the mezuzah is the end of your room. Right? It puts a border on reality. Because otherwise everything would have just continued to expand at Hashem's command. But Hashem says, enough. The Pia says Nerevi, and it's so heartbreaking to know that he wrote this in 1939 in October. October, Parshas Miketz, 1939, which meant in Poland, in Warsaw, which means that World War II had just broken out. Right? It was uh, maybe month and a half old at this point. So this was like it was... He said, do you know what Hashem did when he said the word Shakai? He put in at the very initial stages of creation the end of suffering. That God has the ability to say Shakai, enough, and the suffering ends. Shaddai. Shaddai Shakai. It's, it's a more respectful way of saying And I want to add just one idea to that, and it's, it syncs with what I was saying about Miketz, what the Medrash was saying about Miketz a moment ago. You see, everybody has to understand that it's not just that God can end suffering at any moment. That's very huge and important, and we have to see that, that there's a Kates, an end. And that there was a Kates to Yosef's imprisonment. By the way, it's very important that you know, it doesn't say that Pharaoh had the dream and that's what got Yosef freed. It was time to free Yosef because the divine decree had expired. And at that moment, Pharaoh has the, has the dream. You have to understand the cause and effect. God wanted to end Paro, uh, Yosef's imprisonment, so Pharaoh has the dream. There's an also an end to the darkness in general, to the darkness of this world. You know, in the Gomorrah, they talk about how Mashiach can come early, or but it has to come by a certain point. That's this idea of Kates. That's this idea of Shakai. That an end has been built in from the very start. There is a deadline on creation. From the very beginning, it was put in. And as I heard Rabbi Tat say, the Torah begins with breishis, which means out of beginnings or with beginnings or in the beginning. 
But if you're starting a story by saying, I'm going to tell you the beginning, what does that mean? That means that there's a middle and an end. The very first word is telling you that you're in the middle of a story that's unfolding. And this Parsha in Hanukkah is telling us there's an end. And that the end of it all is light. Remember, the 620th mitzvah, the last mitzvah is Hanukkah. And Hanukkah, that 620, which is Keter, which is the finishing up of all of Rosh Hashanah. That's the, the ultimate is when we can go to the darkest place and we can say, even in the darkest place, God exists and God's light exists. This is going to be the fulfillment of the destiny of the world. And God should bless us that we should all see it together and to remember that the greatest tool to combat the impossible is dreams.